years of crime. Do not accept it. Demand a genuine cassette from your video store. So they say VHS is dead. It's been axed. An obsolete format on the way of Bitamax. But easy don't scratch, start then freeze. Or even not play at all because it comes from overseas. Step in my house, they right in your face. A thousand pages each in a fake red leather case. Maybe all, but I can guarantee there's more gold dust in your final DVD. And my JVC VCR's major. Get more tricking than the middle earth ranger. Wired like a dream to my speaker system. Analog supreme to your digital victim. A high tech mission in all is a solution. More definition, more tech evolution. Let them all scream for the video execution. But I have a dream for a VHS revolution. Federation against copyright theft. Fact on 081 Hello, good evening and welcome to the first ever episode of Dead Format Video Shop Podcast. I'm Nick Box and I was a filmmaker for many years and now I've decided to settle down and open my own retro video shop. Through this podcast I'm going to be talking about my adventures in setting the video shop up and once it's set up, report from the shop and along the way interview loads of guests and really cool people I've met through the years of doing films and YouTube and all my other adventures and get them pick films to be recommended in my shop. Each week uh, I have a different guest on and that guest will recommend five films uh, or sometimes more um, from a specific subgenre or theme wherever they want it's up to them very light-hearted and we discuss those films, and then when the shop eventually opens, there'll be a section dedicated to that one person and their choices. Um, so yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, in the future episodes, I will give us a bit more of an update on what's going on with the store. As for now, because this is the first episode and things are still pretty fresh, go and check out our Facebook page. There's lots of updates on there. I'll put a link in the show notes, and it shows you how we're raising money to open the store and how it's going to work, because we've got a new way of doing rental but in the twenty in twenty twenty one. So it's a slightly different model to what you used to and a lot easier. Um, no late fees, no memberships, but you can still technically get that rental experience. But that's a long way down the line. Tonight I'm joined by my guest um Miss Alison Pregler from the YouTube channel uh, Movie Nights, the successful YouTube channel Movie Nights where she uh, talks about some bonkers movies and TVs from over the years. And also occasional co-host on my other podcast, Evenings with Mitch Buchanan, the Baywatch Nights podcast. Go check that one out if you want some bonkers silliness. But yeah, hi Alison, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing pretty good. That was that was a really good intro. Didn't even rehearse it. <laughs> this is my first time hearing the title of the podcast too. It's like, oh, all right, I'm like learning along as as I'm listening to you. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's what this is about. <laughs> the store is called Dead Format. Um, oh, okay. Stop, cool. We're basically going to stop movies on every format going. Um, so I'm looking to open with 10,000 movies in stock. Uh, wow. About 6,000 so far. Uh, and the formats vary from VHS to DVD, Laserdisc, Betamax, even some CDs. Oh, um, it's going to be uh, basically like... Uh, it's a, it, it, at its core, it's a second-hand movie shop, um, but I want to deliver that rental experience, so it's kitted out like a rental store, and we also work like a swap shop, so you can go in there and buy like sort of five common movies for like three pounds, and then that f if you, you can either keep them forever, or a week later, bring them back, and you can swap them for another five for just one pound fifty. And the prices obviously increased with like the style of the movie. Obviously, rarities and stuff like that's a little bit different. And then the other thing we're going to do is we are going to rent big box VHS. Um, over here in the UK, um, 
<clears throat> VHS tapes, it's all about the ex-rentals. Right? They came in big clamshell cases. I know you guys had some of them in, but all of our rentals came in these big clamshells. And, big uh, VIPCO things? Yeah, like big <laughs> VIPCO things and stuff like that. So basically, uh, we're going to have a wall of VHS like they would have in the 80s. And that's more of a gimmick. Uh, obviously, I'm not expecting to rent loads, but I know a few people will rent some. But everything in the shop will be available to buy as well. So we get loads of rare stuff in and specialising in cult and obscure movies. Uh, and really it's great. Cool. It's, it's great hunting around. Um, a few collectors I've known have uh, basically are selling me their collections as well. So we're going to have one of the biggest archives in the UK. And yeah, so I'm, I'm going for it full swing. And um, so far, the feedback for it's been amazing. Uh, just when I announced I was doing this podcast, the amount of people that reached out to me that wants to be on it, wants to listen to it. Um, we're doing really well. Uh, unfortunately, I've had no savings and I have not got very good credit. So I've been trying to like crowdfund it and raise it, raise the money myself. But it's, it's coming along quite well. I mean, I've got been had been donated quite a bit, and then I've been selling stuff from the, from my collection already to to build up the uh, finances. So hopefully, um, by the summer we might be open. Um, been offered a really cool location, but I can't talk about it just yet. So hopefully we will get that as well. We think it's going to be great. So yeah, it just proves that life can go up and down. Um, Obviously, I'm not everyone listening will know, but Alison speaks to me quite a lot. I haven't been the happiest this last few months, but all of a sudden it, things have turned around and changed. Now we've got the store um, on the I'm horizon. Really happy for you, man. Thank you. Well, let's just hope it goes well. But I mean, you know, at, at worst, it's going to be an online. It's going to be an online thing I can do on the side of my normal job. At best, it's going to be a, a brick and mortar store, which it's looking like it could be. So, yeah, it's going to keep going. Cool. So, I yeah, think I like there, there's like a market for it too, because like a lot of these like um, secondhand uh, media stores aren't accepting VHSs anymore. Yeah. Um, some of the the older formats. So I think that there's a, a section of collectors and people that really want to be able to find that again. I miss being able to go and find VHS tapes and like things I've never heard of. Like this sounds great. Yeah, I, I, mean, I want to see what this is all about. I, mean, I, I go out. If, I mean, I have done for years. Gone out every day to like uh, charity shops or thrift stores in your case and, and secondhand shops and markets finding um you know movies like dvds vhs and like most people these days will go and buy a film watch it and then donate it to charity or take it to one of these places like uh, a cex or one of these media exchange places and trade it in and just get pennies for it uh, but I can buy movies so cheap. I mean, my I've got a collection of like right over six thousand as it is on my, on, on my own, and most of those have been acquired for pennies. Like you know, I go to charity shops and I buy like five for a pound and stuff like that. You know, yeah, yeah. thrift stores great resources. Yeah, <laughs> over the years, I've accumulated so much, and DVDs um, and and VHS are so cheap to acquire now. Like, I mean, this this shop for me to set up my my whole budget to set the shop up is three grand that's all i need is three grand to set it up because i've got most of the stock already and i can for another grand i can buy like all the other stock i need you know like the rarities and stuff like that and buy a cd a dvd cleaning machine disc disc repair machine a till and get someone to kick the shop out and that's it it's done so you know it, it can be done cheap and then people want some of it they can go and find anything <clears throat> but you need you need shops where people know what they're talking about and you're creating that sort of environment where people are welcome just to go and chat movies. 
you know, I mean, I, I mean, my place is going to be like a very communal place where people just walk in and just talk movies, you know. You should set up like a like a little uh, table cafe type thing, or like like little snacks or something. Yeah, so well, can chat movies. That's that's the idea. I mean, I'm, I've got that as a plan. I've got um, I'm going to put couches and stuff in there. Going to organise film discussion nights. We're really lucky in my town that we've got um, we've got a, a like a um, I don't think uh, we've got an indie cinema that shows classic films. Uh, we've got a horror movie themed cafe that my, one of my best friends runs. So we've got a lot of We've got a good film community in my area, as it as it is, you know. And then, obviously, online, I'm well connected with film collectors and filmmakers from all over the world because that's what I've done for the last 25 years. So, we've got an online presence straight away. We've got a local base where people, you know, can, uh, can get involved. And I've already had people like coming up to me with ideas of like, you know, film nights. I mean, maybe we can get in touch with the, well, we, we can work with the uh, local indie cinema and, and do VHS screenings and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> there's, I've already spoke to my friend that owns the Horror Cafe and I said, can I do like, you know, film discussion nights there if I've got no space? He's like, yeah, of course you can. So there's a lot. It's, it's, it looks like it could be really, really good. I mean, it's not going to make me rich, but it's going to be enough to turn me a wage each month and uh, get to do something I'm, I love and I'm passionate about. So I'm all gung-ho for it at the moment, um, and it's great. But uh, I have been spending all my spare time out in my movie room just scanning all of my titles, and that's been <laughs> that's been interesting. <laughs> out there for like four hours a day with my phone, just scan, scan, scan. Um you know, making sure I've got everything. And I've, I've already found, like, loads of strange stuff in my collection I didn't know I had. And then, like, found out I've got bootlegs I didn't know I had and all sorts in there. So, yeah. <laughs> and I've just uh, I've just ordered a pallet load of DVDs as well. An entire pallet that's come from a charity shop uh, sorting facility. So God knows what gems we're going to find in that. I'm going to do a live stream and, and go through every title. <laughs> so, yeah, that could be good. So, um... We've talked briefly about, obviously, you know, what's fascinating about video shops, but can you remember the first time you ever went to a video shop? Or an early time? Uh, no, I don't think I could tell you the first time. Like, it just was always a staple. I do remember, though, um, it being a big thing. Uh, I grew up in Arizona, and um, it was it was a big thing. Don't leave the tapes in the car, because they will melt. I've seen stickers for that, yeah. <laughs> Do not let your tapes melt, and especially in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, that was a big thing because it could very well happen. So um, I remember that being a big thing. Uh, I had a dog I, eat yeah. one once. You had a dog <laughs> eat a VHS yeah. tape once. We got we we, we got we, we had we used to have rough collies as a kid, and our first collie died, and then I was really upset. So my dad got us a new dog, and I remember. It was a Saturday. We picked the dog up. We took, a, took him for a walk. On the way back, we popped into the video store and we rented um, the Steve Gutenberg film where he's a biker and he's... Is it Don't Tell Her It's Me? Is that what it's called? I couldn't tell uh, you, man. I need, to, I need to look it up. On Not as familiar Steve, on all of Steve, Steve Gutenberg's oeuvre. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg played a biker. And it was a romantic comedy, but I just know on the front cover it's got Steve Gutenberg in a leather jacket. It, it was um, all downhill after Don't Stop the Music for, for Mr. <laughs> Gutenberg. <laughs> and, uh, so we watched this film, and we all went to bed, and then on a Sunday morning, we heard the dog playing downstairs, and we heard him chewing on this plastic, and we thought it was just this um, 
plastic bully bully hands. Anyway, we came downstairs and this VHS tape was just like annihilated. It was just everywhere. So we had to take it back to the video shop. Did you just try and, and return it, like I went in and there was, there was there was no there was no hiding hiding it. Yeah, called Don't Tell Her It's Me. It came out in nineteen ninety. Um so yeah, we there was no hiding it. So I made my dad like pay like some deposit scheme thing. And he said, So don't worry, <clears throat> you're covered now. That that's covered the tape. So we took rented another film, we rented Hudson Hawk, uh, the same night, came back and the dog ate that too. So we had to go back in again. <laughs> he had a taste for it. He just he just couldn't stop eating those VHS tapes. He's like, mm, the more expensive the blockbuster, the tastier it is. Mm, all that Hudson Hawk cash. <laughs> Yummy. Yeah. So yeah, he ate Hudson Hawk. Um, <laughs> he thought it was a literal hawk. Yeah, <laughs> but like, he never ate, he never ate another tape after that. <laughs> that day he was on a tear. <laughs> So, do you remember, um, like, when you were a kid, was there any films you used to, like, rent over and over again? Oh, yeah, Little Monsters. Little well, Monsters. okay, I tried to rent... Here's the thing, I rented Little Monsters quite a bit, and that was my favorite childhood film, the one with Howie Mandel and yeah. Fred Savage. Um, but, like, eventually... Uh, I don't know if the store didn't have it anymore or what it was, but, like... I didn't remember the name of it. I would remember the cover, but I don't remember the name of the film. And I think my mom was just kind of sick of me renting it because she didn't want to see it anymore. So I'd be like, what was that movie? Like, I want to get that movie. And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, <laughs> asking around, trying to get, like, help from my friends. And my friend's mom is like, I think I, I recorded this movie. And then, like, sent me, like, a, a recorded tape that she had. And it was The Goonies, often confused with Little Monsters. I'm like, this isn't Little Monsters. <laughs> but yeah i used to rent that all the time uh, i think the my little pony movie i used to rent quite a bit too <laughs> yeah i mean i mean like little monsters was one i used to take out quite a bit myself but for me the one that i was obsessed with was star chaser the legends of orin uh and i mean every single time we went to the video shop we i but the thing is i i, I was a cheeky little bugger because i'd want to rent that but i'd want to rent something else as well so like every time we went, they'd rent a new film, but then we'd have to rent Star Chaser over and over and over again. Because, um, I mean, I was I was obsessed with Star Chaser um, to the point, well, I still am now, I still own the, the, the quad poster for it, and just walk around listening to the score. But little did I know that it was a um, Scientology uh, fairy tale. <laughs> I've never seen this film. So basically, it's an animated Star Wars ripoff. Um, <laughs> Uh, from like 1984, 85. Is it got uh, Xenu and stuff? Well, it's not not quite. Basically, it's an animated Star Wars uh, ripoff, but they discovered years and years later that loads of stuff in it was all related to Scientology because the guy that wrote it, Jeff Wright, was a massive Scientologist and he just like snuck all this stuff in there. <laughs> um, and yeah, I've, I did a vi I did a video on YouTube years ago that. Um, and I, I went through all, all of the points in in that then, but I've forgotten most of them now. But yeah, there's quite a lot of it. It's like the Kahal or something, and there's all yeah, it all it all links back to Scientology. So yeah, it could have been brainwashing me. So <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, that was probably one of my most wanted. And then after that would be Hunchback Hairball of LA, or as you guys know it in the states, Big Man on Campus. 
Oh man, yeah, that's the 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 hunchback guy. Yeah. Oh man, I I saw that uh, a few years back. Uh, dude, <laughs> what a stupid movie. <laughs> It's one of those movies too, where you're like, like the villain's right. You're like, the villain's right, and they they they're right to say all this stuff. Like, why are we, why are we supporting the protagonist at all? What gets me as well is like, Tom Skerritt's in it, and he he plays it really straight, and like it's such a ridiculous film, but Tom Skerritt's like like plays it like really well. But no, I, I think it's a great movie. But basically, like, apparently, it, every copy of it got burnt. All of the original masters and everything got burnt in a fire for years. So that's why it never surfaced on oh. DVD or anything. However, in the last two years, it's turned off on Amazon Prime. So, and apparently this... Yeah, so somebody found it. And apparently there is talk, yeah. talk of one of the uh, big labels putting out a release of it. You know what? I'm just I'm just glad films like that are getting preserved. I think it's a stupid movie, but I am glad that like especially <laughs> now they're getting all of these nice clean prints of all of these obscure films that you get to like rediscover. You I mean, know, massive sets like the Spookies. I know you watched the Spookies recently. Yeah, the Spookies. What a grand set that got. <laughs> you know? That was so good. You know what? Spookies, um, Spookies is a terrible movie, but it's a fascinating movie to watch if you are into how movies are made. Because yeah. you know that something went wrong even before you hear about the legendary production that was Spookies. And um, the, uh, the Vinegar Syndrome uh, Blu-ray set that they put out has two great documentaries on it. One about the Vipco company and the other just about everything that happened making spookies the unmaking of spookies is what it's called and yeah it's very good yeah it's a brilliant film spookies in a way it's like it's so 80s, it's 80s as fuck but it doesn't make any sense <laughs> it's just oh like, it's very 80s yeah well so when you watch it too like because i knew it was two films kind of pasted together but like you you can tell what parts are which yeah. anyway watching it but watching um the the twisted souls version of it which is what it originated as i'm like this is just an evil dead ripoff is what they're trying to do they're doing evil dead so i think like if it had been twisted souls it might be like a cult classic in the way that like demon wind and other kind of like yeah. evil dead ripoff but like really good effects kind of films became but then it just became this legendary something else <laughs> by the end of it and yeah really fun <clears throat> yeah brilliant right so um so I, I did want to i did want to say before we move on um yeah. i worked at a video store too Oh, but right. it was like um it was like late in the game. So I, I worked there like uh a decade ago. I couldn't tell you the exact oh. year, but I, I worked at a Hastings, which is right. like a, a media store, but it's also a rental store. So right. it yeah. was like by the time VHS tapes were gone and they were introducing Blu-rays, so you had to like warn yeah. people uh, like if they were older especially, like you'd be like, Okay, so you need you you know you need a Blu-ray player for this, right? Like you can't play this in a DVD player. <laughs> And it was a, uh, it was fun because like um, there the one half of the store was a, a rental section. Everything was like by uh the 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 category of like you know family action whatever the genre and then alphabetical. And then there was the adult section, which was just a pile. Like there was no order to it. There was they just threw everything in there, and you couldn't tell what anything was. 
Um, I could tell you the pop- popular rentals from there. Um, Italian Stallion <laughs> with uh, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone got rented a lot. And there was one that had like a sexy lady and an ugly mummy on the front. Like it wasn't a sexy mummy. It was just like a rotten mummy. <laughs> and then it was like people kept renting it. And I'm not sure if it was because it was popular or because it was just one that you could get out of the pile easily. <laughs> like what? I'm just looking for something. <laughs> Did some of the video stores out there, did they used to have the curtain uh, for, like, the adult movies? So we a lot of have, but yeah, so it makes it easier stores, when it's got yeah. the curtain, right? Like, yeah, a lot. Well, we <laughs> oh, there's a, I'm sorry. There, uh, this is related to this. There, there's a, a used um, media store uh, called Bookman's in Arizona where it's, like, just all sorts of old formats that you can buy, and they had, like, an armoire with the adult stuff in it, so we called it the pornoir. <laughs> 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 That's where they kept their stuff. <laughs> we, we used because we used to start all the independent ones. They have like a separate room, or they'd have like a little red curtain, and you go behind that curtain, and that's where like uh, all the, the adult ones would be. But we used to go to every. We used to have a caravan on the coast, so every Friday night we'd finish school, and mum and dad would put us in the car, and we'd drive like an hour down to the coast to where our caravan was. We'd go to this cafe called the Riviera and we'd get some dinner. And then we'd go to this video shop called Tive Barn Video in Selseyville. And uh, I was obsessed with this place because I, I, I don't like the outside. So I used to hate going away at weekends to the caravan because I didn't want to be out on the beach. I didn't want to be uh, out in the sunshine. I just wanted to be in watching films and playing video games. But I always knew my reward was, was sit in the car for an hour to get there. I'd go and eat, eat like sausage and chips or burger and chips and then I'd go over to this Thai Barn video and I could pick my films for the weekend and that was my big exciting thing and <clears throat> they had a separate a separate room and for year for, for the first year or so I was going there I thought it was just going to be like rude stuff you know as I didn't call it didn't really know what it was called porn then it was just the rude tapes <laughs> well one day I wandered in there and it was wasn't just like porn in there they had all like the best action films in there all like the 18 rated stuff was all in the second room they have like the video nasties and stuff in there i think it's a sort of shop that if you asked if you asked behind the counter they would have probably pulled them (laughs) you know pulled them out because they were still um, banned at that point yeah i mean the video nasties was a real i mean it was a real fucking scandal over here and it was all because the um the government wanted to cover up the or take flack off of themselves for the miners strikes so they just picked on anything they could. But I mean, people, I mean, people lost their lives, lost their businesses. People went to prison just because they were renting bloody, you know, um, horror films out. And I mean, like, you know, I've watched through most of the nasties and none of them are that nasty, really. You know, I mean, like films well, like Evil, Evil Dead's Dead one of my favorite movies. Yeah, That's you know, and Evil Dead's like one. a legitimate, like, produced film. Um and yeah, it's, it's a bit, a bit, a bit of a scandal. The nasties, we've got on about that for days, so we're probably just like, can't <laughs> take a back seat. But if you've ever seen the, the nasties documentaries, watch them both; they're really good. Um, definitely worth worth checking out. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, I worked in video shops. I mean, technically, I worked in them from when I was probably about thirteen, at least going to help. But my heyday in the video shops was between ninety five and ninety nine. Um, so you know, I worked. That was when I was like working. Up, like that's when I went to work for Blockbuster and, and places like that. Because um, we used to have another chain in England called Ritz, and then Ritz got bought out by Blockbusters. And when I started at Blockbusters, 
they'd literally just changed over to blockbusters from ritz and i got like loads of the um like the ritz paraphernalia I, I took it all but the best thing about that was i lived in the house next door to the video shop and the the person that, that we rented the house from owned a shop along there as well so he built a gate in our back garden to the back of the premises i got given the keys for blockbusters and it was at the back of my garden I used, to, I used to literally in the middle of the night <laughs> go into Blockbusters with a key, turn the alarm off and take my pick of films and walk back home. Oh my gosh, what a magical time. It was, it was brilliant, but I got in a lot of trouble when I was at Blockbusters because if I um, I was basically in charge because it was, it was a quiet village store, it wasn't the busiest. So the manager was at another store and I was basically put on in charge like the manager on GE all the time. And I had the ability to turn tapes into X-Rentals. And I discovered that a lot of the older films were like pennies when you X-Rentaled them all. So I was X-Rentaling them and then buying them myself. <laughs> and um, one day the area manager came into the shop and he's like, why haven't you got all these classic movies? You know, what's happened? You should always have a few classics, you know, on the shelves. Yeah, I think they must have been sold off at some point. <laughs> Just thinking, please don't look on the system and see who's uh. bought them. And uh, I think he knew because I got, I did get, I do remember getting into some kind of trouble because of it. Um, but yeah, I was, I was going in there buying Star Wars and Yellow Jones, <laughs> the American Rabbit. That was the one that I think that because uh, that was another one I was obsessed with as a kid. And I, uh, yeah, I, I bought the American Rabbit on VHS. And then recently, my friend Stuart gave me another copy of it on VHS. And if you if you like crappy animation from the eighties, the American Rabbit is definitely one to check out. You ever seen that one? No. It's it's bad. Look it up. You'll you'll like it. It's the sort of thing that I thought you'd enjoy. Uh, you, know, yes. you know what was fun? Like um, renting tapes, uh, finding ones that were like warped at certain parts, so you knew it was the parts that people would rewind at a lot. Yeah. Revenge the Nerds, um, the, the scene in Revenge the Nerds when they were like, spying on the, the, the girls. I guess it usually is the porny parts, isn't it? Or like the nude scenes. Um, I watched um, American Werewolf in London for the first time on a really bad VHS tape that shouldn't have been rented anymore, honestly. Like the whole thing was like warping and it gave it this like creepier quality. Like, it felt like you were watching it at 2 in the morning. Like, it would be, like, <laughs> through parts of it. And like <laughs> It's creepy, but, it but I'm glad I have a, a better copy now. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I I mean, I've watched films like, um, like Deadly Prey, right? Deadly Prey has to be watched on a VHS tape. You can't watch that on any other format. Like, I, I believe there is a deal. I mean, someone even make a Blu-ray of it now. But um, which one's Deadly Prey? It's that... the it's the cheap Rambo um, ripoff where the oh, Priors right. the Priors made it. So it's Ted Pryor and some Ted Pryor's the main guy, and it's his brother that directed it. Right. They did like a late stage sequel a few years back, didn't yeah. they? Because it got yeah. kind of that, that cult yeah. following. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's just it's basically just a guy running around some woods with no <laughs> shoes on, eating worms, and just <laughs> killing people with a big knife. <laughs> Uh, and it's really, really bad, but like, <clears> I, funny I, bad, rem yeah. I, I remember like watching that on VHS and it, it just looked beautiful. Then I watched like a cleaned up version that someone had put online and it just, I was like, this is like zapped me out of it. 
I, I think some t- it depends on the film because sometimes watching something on VHS gives it like a, a creepier atmosphere or just brings you to a certain time. Like it just feels like this should be this way. But then there's some other things like, for instance, spookies. You know, when you see it on this like clean 4K scan, you're like, this looks much more like a legitimate movie than if you had just watched it on a VHS tape and been like, what the f- Fuck. <laughs> I remember from like from the VHS days and from that really awful um, Region Two DVD that was out for years of Spookies. I always remember the transfer was like really dark on that film. It's really hard to make oh, out yeah, what's yeah. going on because it's really really dark. And, yeah, you can see shit. But then like other times like they fucked it up. Like um, Madman is a classic example. Madman works so well on VHS because of that blue tint. And then there was that DVD that they put out. I can't remember. I think it was, was it Code Red or someone put out a DVD of it. And they removed the blue tint. And it just completely uh. just, like, killed that film. Like, you know, it's one of my favourite slasher movies. But I, it is, I think it is visually in this... What make, it's not a great movie, but what makes it good is there's visuals and the music. And that's what makes it a really good slasher film. Because it is just, you know, another cheap Friday the 13th rip-off of it, deep down. But it works so well because of, like the visuals and the sound and like for someone that grew up watching it on like vhs and stuff you know seeing it like with all that removed it just feels like what (laughs) (laughs) but i do hate it when i make changes to films even like not just on the dvd uh, not just on vhs even on dvd like when they i mean empire records is a really good example over here you can only get empire records remix edition you can't get the original cut and the remix edition, they put all the deleted scenes back in it. And it's boring. It's boring as fuck. And I just think, why can't you skip the option? I feel like, I mean, not not in that case, but I feel like in the UK especially, there's a lot of um, censored versions of things out because it was, was such a big yeah. deal for a long time. And then a lot of them, that's just what's available because they haven't yeah. really released the uncut versions. Because I know there are a lot of things that are just like, there's just they just have like a stick up their butt about certain like they're like you can't this person kicked someone when they're on the ground you have to you have to cut that out you can't be do- next mutation has a, someone called someone a wiener cut it out we can't I mean, have that the nunchucks was the big thing the, the nunchucks, nunchucks yeah. was the big yeah that's thing. why ninja turtles changed <laughs> yeah. uh mikey was, had a grappling hook after it was hero turtles it had to be right, hero- yeah. <laughs> But then when the movie came out, they were they allowed the movie to be called Ninja Turtles, but obviously everything else, all the marketing and all of the toys and everything was still Hero Turtles. Yeah. And obviously, like, Mikey Vat is Nunchucks. That was a massive thing. Um, and it, it was so weird. It was... It, it would really just seem like arbitrary things to censor. Yeah. There are certain things I get why people would want to censor them, although I, I feel like you should make both versions available or maybe like put a warning at the beginning just for posterity or something but like it just felt like a bunch of arbitrary things like why they felt the need to to cut them just to like feel important yeah i mean the dbfc is like so like just i mean it's all right now i mean these days like most things it's not we're pretty much on the same level as you guys the only difference is your censorship board's optional ours isn't um uh, which sucks uh, because you know especially like me as an independent filmmaker like i've never been able to legally sell my films in the uk um because of to legally sell them i need to have a bbfc certificate 
And to get that, I need to pay like, it's like £900, they watch it, and then every time they want any changes made, you have to pay more money. Um, and obviously, because okay. of the budgets of my films being so low, so low I've never done it. I mean, well, obviously, that's what you do when you get offered a bunch of money to make a film. Yeah. You just save just it to get certified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a load of money. Now cut my film to shreds, you know. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's not it's not quite as, as strict as it used to be. Uh, like, it's definitely opened up a lot in recent years. Um, but, I mean, it was it was bad. It was really bad. I mean, it was all, and I say it was all because of, like, the nasty scandal. Uh, but then even in the 90s, like, Eraser, Eraser's like a really typical example of, like, so basically what they did with Eraser is, it was more a marketing thing. Because like, Arnie was big, they decided that the film was too violent for kids that like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So they released two cuts at the cinema. There was one that was, like, certified 18, and there was one that was certified 12, right? And the then when it came out on video, um, we never got to see the, the, the normal cut, the cut that you guys got. We got to see a cut that was like 11 minutes shorter. And this was this, were, this remained for years. I mean, I'm talking up until probably a, until the Blu-ray came out, we never got the, the, the true version of Eraser. We only ever got this cut-up version. Which isn't as good, and it was. And but the, I, I looked it up online because you can actually look up online like when these things are passed. And I think in like the year two thousand or something, it was passed for release on home media in, in that state. But no one bothered to release it until like you know two thousand and ten or something or eleven when the Blu-ray came out. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm someone that's always imported, so it's like I I, I got I always get the, got the best cut. You know, I'd go and search for it, but. Yeah, we lived in a in a messed up country for cuts, but it doesn't seem as bad these days. I mean, everything seems to be on on par now. I mean, even Serbian film wasn't cut that much. Um, a couple of bits. <laughs> well, and much. that's they've definitely gotten more lax. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, it, actually, the cut version is actually more disturbing than the um, than the normal version. But it's definitely a film I never want to watch again. <laughs> Erase that one from my memory. Especially now I'm a father. Uh, but yeah, right. So anyway, uh, going on to the lighter part of the show, after I start talking about dark, extreme horror films that we shouldn't really be talking about because that's not really fun, um, we're going to talk about um, our theme. So, Alison, what theme have you picked? I picked uh, films with an unnecessary amount of sequels. Right, now, as soon as you said that, <laughs> I think that one of the titles you're going to pick is produced by someone that I know. And, yeah, and I, I hold them responsible for the amount of sequels of this film has had, <laughs> if I think, if you pick it. So if you say it and I start jumping for joy, you've picked it. If not, I'll mention it at the end. But I'm pretty sure you're going to pick this because I know that uh, you are familiar with some of the director's other work I've heard you mention in the past. So yeah, I think I think I know what you're going to pick as one of them. Okay. Well, I mean, it, I didn't necessarily pick choices uh, by number of sequels. So there's definitely one on there that has a notorious number of sequels. Yeah. Um, but like ones that um, a that that I like or find memorable in some way, mm -hmm. or um, b just uh, it came to mind and I put it on this list. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, you, you asked me to pick five movies. Um, yeah. 
So, okay, the first one uh, is a little bit more mainstream. I feel like a lot of people um, on on this podcast are going to pick slasher movies because if you're into, like, VHS rental culture, it's that's just part of it, you know, renting yeah. just, like, all the slasher movies you can find. So not, not all of these are, are horror-based. Um, all right, so the first one, The Karate Kid. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have a huge amount of sequels, but I think all of them are unnecessary because basically after the first one, you're pretty good t- until Cobra Kai came out. <laughs> and you didn't really need all the stuff in between. <laughs> but at least number two gave us the glory of love. It did. It did. So, you, do, you did have um, uh, Robin Lively also in, uh, I think she was in part three, Teen Witch. <laughs> which is the one where, where they got to save the trees. I think that was three. That was free, and they go out there, they yeah. go rock climbing, it's like to save a bonsai tree. Or yeah, it's a good, well, they're going to go get the bonsai tree that um, that uh, Mr. Miyagi has brought from uh, Japan uh, and planted there, and I think uh, Daniel wants to clip part of it and then, like, make more for his bonsai business. He thinks he's doing good, but then the bullies come and then end up, like, <laughs> busting up the, the bonsai tree. <laughs> The thing is, Karate Kid is is a, a well-made movie, but doesn't necessarily need to be expanded upon that much. Yeah. Uh, it, it, until, like, I feel like Cobra Kai did it best, because it was basically a more honest version of Karate Kid. Yeah. You know, like, he was kind of an asshole, right? Like, Daniel was kind of a bully. <laughs> I always found as a kid, though, he was quite a snotty kid. Even you know, yeah, yeah. even then, he was a very you know, and he was mean to Miyagi for a little bit as well. You know, yeah. I don't think he was very respectful to Miyagi. Um, but yeah, I mean, I will say that the the Hillary Swank one, that end fight's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> the, the Hillary Swank one was was not my favorite, but it was better than the remake they did with uh, with Will Smith's kid. I refused to watch it, and I still have never, ever seen it. Yeah, you ain't missing anything. <laughs> it didn't need to happen, is the thing. It's really long and boring. It was it was something that's, like, immediately lost to the sands of time, because it just didn't need to happen. <laughs> I but I enjoy like... the first one. The first one has the great soundtrack, and it has, like, great yeah. moments, and it's, like, a good example of, like, the 80s kind of lifting up a, a kind of flimsy story. I, mean, I, must be, I never ever want to watch the sequels. Never. I, I, I've got. I've had them for years, but I've never feel like, oh, I'm going to watch Karate Kid two right now. Or, and I never want to session them either. Like most, most like eighties films with with a bunch of sequels like that. You know, like the Rockies and the Police Academies. I'll mm-hmm. stick one on, and then every night for a week I'll watch another one. But quite often I want to watch Karate Kid, but I never think I'm going to watch Karate Kid two and three. I mean, you, you like, never three. think you're going to watch the cartoon series where they shrink down and. Do whatever and <laughs> magic. <laughs> there was a cartoon series. Yeah, there was a cartoon series, and there was magic. Yeah, <laughs> let me, let me tell you, I, I I was watching a bunch of stuff after Cobra Kai came out. Like I was like, I'm gonna rewatch the Karate Kid movies, and I'm gonna see what this cartoon's like. I watched one episode, and I'm like, this is terrible, and I never <laughs> continue with it. I'm like, I don't believe this is considered canon. Maybe if someone is listening and they're like, oh no, this episode of the cartoon series factors into this, maybe I'll check it out. But otherwise, I'm like, you know, I'm actually good. 
There was a um, there was a post on one of the Facebook groups the other day about like um, 80s movies that had like spin-off cartoon shows. And the one I Rambo think that, that had one? Rambo had one, uh, which was a bit ridiculous. Robocop had one that was a bit ridiculous. But I mean, the one that worked was the Teen Wolf one. I've never seen that. I might, I might check it out because I feel like I might enjoy it more than the movie. Because I kind of yeah. like, I want to like Teen Wolf because I love werewolves and I love Michael J. Fox. But I just think, I don't know, there was something about the movie that was kind of mean-spirited, a little stinky. I feel like Teen Wolf 2 was more successful in that way. It's the same movie, but a little less sleazy, so I'm like, all yeah. right. <laughs> I think, I mean, with Teen Wolf, it's my, it, 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 I mean, I, I like them both uh, a lot. But I do think with Teen Wolf, I think it's... Um, it's that ending. It's the end. You watch it really for that ending with "Win in the end." You know, that's what you. That's, that's, the that's the car pretty good too. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> cool. The guy that played Styles was good. He was in Iron Eagle as well, and uh, didn't do much. Didn't probably many other things, to my knowledge. But yeah, he I was think good. his shirt was really the star of the film. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, um, that was your first choice, karate. All right, yeah, uh, all right, yeah. All right, let's go on to some more uh, some more fun rental ones. Uh, American Ninja. Yes. And Mr. Miyagi turns up in number five, isn't it? Right, yeah. I think five was the one that's, like, in name only. Like, it wasn't intended to be an American Ninja sequel. It was just, like, some kid's karate film, and then they renamed it. But it had, um, I think, David Bradley is the name yeah. of the guy that starred in that. And he starred in, I think it was the the fourth or the third American Ninja. Like, they had, like, a different guy. He might have been in both, actually, but they, they didn't have Michael Dudikoff in one of them, and yeah. then they brought him back later because they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, people don't... People want to see Michael Dudikoff in American Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, because of um, Steve... Who was the, the, the black guy? Was was it Steve James or something like that? Steve... I can't remember his surname now. But basically, good. yeah, he, he passed away, didn't he? Um, yeah. like, yeah, and, and I think he passed away before they got to some of the later sequels. I think he died, for, died fairly young. Um, but I mean, he was good. I mean, the one thing about American Ninjas that always stood out to me, and I think is it, it wins on a lot of levels, is the fact at the end, when it's the end credits, the camera pans over and you see all the bodies of all the people that died throughout the whole battle scene and I just think like for you know for, for a video ninja film I thought that was like pretty a pretty epic uh, little addition into it or you know seeing all the, uh, the corpses of the bloodbath they'd left as they've gone into this complex and taken everyone down yeah um, American Ninja was cool like you had lots of cool fight scenes and I think like it's the best Michael Dudikoff ever did like I think like it was really good at highlighting him and like yeah, yeah this the I think it was the sequel that brought in the the guy you were talking about like the, yeah. the second one and that was pretty good I mean you know it was, it was canon at the height as well wasn't it you know yeah yeah like good ninja stuff Ninja stuff can be a bit dodgy at times, but I think like they had like a good balance of crappy ninja plots and trying to make it a little meaningful at times. I mean, and the ninja the ninja stuff peaked obviously with like Revenge of the Ninja uh, and uh, Pray for Death's the one I love. Um, you know, I mean those those Shokuzigi ones, but I mean Enter the Ninja. That's a really boring film. Like the first <laughs> one they made. It's just boring. 
there are a lot of boring ninja films. Yeah. I wish you watched Godfrey Ho ones, and they're all just the same film, just chopped up and stacked together. <laughs> the Godfrey Ho ones are interesting, because, like, there's the ninja films, but then there's just any old things, so sometimes you would get, like, a romantic comedy or something, and all of a sudden <laughs> it's got, like, ninja stuff in it, and, like, varying quality there. Uh, there was this really terrible ninja movie, kind of a ninja movie, called 24 Hours to Midnight with Cynthia Rothrock, and it was, like, either her first or one of her first uh, starring roles, but she, like, quit in the middle of the film because the director or someone was, like, kind of an asshole or they made promises they didn't keep or whatever. So in order to get around this, they just put someone in a ninja outfit and said it was her. <laughs> So it's this weird chopped up movie where it's like, yeah, here's Ninja Rothrock running around. <laughs> Terrible. I was trying to work out the day. She she made a start properly in China, wasn't it? And then she came back over to the states in the nineties to do because she did loads of summer Hong films, didn't she, in Hong Kong? And then she came back over to do like China O'Brien and Fast Getaway and all of those ones after that, didn't she? Yeah, all the Hong they, Kong stuff like was uh, beforehand, was... wasn't it? Yeah, she might have gone back and forth a little bit, but those are definitely, like, that was where she was most successful. She never yeah. really got a foothold in the States like she did over there. Um, yeah. It's also some of her best fight scenes, too, like um, the stuff with uh, Michelle Yeoh, um, Yes Madam, stuff like that, like really great fight scenes. Yeah. Um, she also did the infamous uh, Undefeatable in the States. Oh. That was a um, an opposite Godfrey Ho movie because that yeah. one. They produced it in in the states and then inserted uh, Asian actors for a separate cut uh, called Bloody Mary Killer, right. which is the opposite of how he usually did things. I showed a friend Undefeatable. Well, the the, the, the notorious fight scene from Undefeatable last week. Oh, good. And it, it's it is brilliant. Um, but you know, I was um, I was a China O'Brien guy, and obviously um, Fast Getaway. Walking Tall, well. the lady version, China yeah. O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to love um, Fast Getaway as well because I'm a massive um, Corey Haim fan. Oh, yeah, yeah that was a seen... weird role for Cynthia Rothrock, Fast Getaway yeah. 1 and 2. I've never seen number 2. I've never seen it. I've never been able to get hold of it. Um, uh, I mean, I can slide you a copy if you want one. It's not very good, <laughs> but I, can, I have a copy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably, it's probably one of the only ones I haven't got, actually. Um, I, mean, I've got, I've, I mean, I've got a lot of Haim. I mean, I, I proper love my Haim stuff. I mean, uh I could talk. I could do an entire podcast on Hame. Um, the Watcher is a pretty good Hame one Watch, with the, the, the weird ape creature and the dog with the yeah. <laughs> with the psychic connection. <laughs> I like good. the um, I like the, I like the demolition movies as well. Demolition High and Demolition oh, New. Man, really I watched uh, those recently. They were terrible, but <laughs> I, re I I rewatched Double O Kid a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I'm just thinking about John Reese Davies getting killed in a video game car. <laughs> yeah, by Wallace Shawn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That one was funny, bad. That was terrible. That was during his uh, relationship with Nicole Eggert. So she was in there with him. Yeah. Nicole Eggert of Baywatch fame. Charles and Charles. <laughs> <laughs> See, we just yeah. keep going off into, like, whatever movies we've seen. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole idea of it. I'm gonna basically, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pinching the idea from a few other podcasts that talk about movies, but I'm gonna basically set up a letterbox list of every movie that gets mentioned throughout the podcast. So oh, each man. episode, we're gonna add it all on there. So we'll see how many, how many name drops we've managed to get through in just this one episode. <laughs> just so many. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so what was our second choice? I forgot about it. Was... <laughs> right, uh, we're talking about American Ninja. American Ninja, that was it, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that yeah, he didn't... learned to trust somebody because of his love interest. He's like, one of these days you're going to have to trust somebody. <laughs> and he does. <laughs> Has Diddy Conflict turned up in anything recently? I don't know. I haven't followed his recent stuff. Uh, it's kind of hit or miss with Dudikoff. I think he needs like good material to back him up. I do have an autographed picture of him from American Ninja that um, someone had signed for me, but it's signed to me. And he, he signed with a little smiley face. And he's just like, <laughs> yeah, keep kicking ass or whatever it said. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. I'm sure he was supposed to have been at a convention that I was at at one point and then didn't show. Um, yeah, I'm sure it was like one in like 2014. I'm sure cause it was going to be him and Don the Dragon Wilson at the same one. And I was like, oh my God, it's going to be amazing. Oh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't think he showed. Um, but I, I did get to speak to Don the Dragon Wilson and he was very nice and just, nice. yeah, very, very plain, uh, but nice. Yeah, not, not, not an excite. I've got no exciting stories about him. He was just very sort of nice, and that was it. <laughs> he was like a nice guy. He's another one of uh, Cynthia Rothrock's buddies. Casts her in his, like, he, he produces his own films a lot now, and she's turned up in funny, quite a few of those. Funny enough, just, just diverging a little bit more. Um, Billy Blanks. <laughs> Tybo himself. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've watched a few, few of his films again recently, and um, my God, he was shit. I mean, don't <laughs> get me wrong. I mean, I enjoyed them, but, oh, Jesus, Jesus, that guy needed, needed some action. Don't I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen anything starring Billy Blanks, though I should, because that's the kind of genre that I'm into, but, like, yeah. I've seen him, like, in other things turning up and like the fight scenes have always been pretty good, but I don't think I've seen anything like really showcase him acting or anything. I remember, I, I remember there was like one or two when I was a kid that I enjoyed, but I've been rewatching something recently and all the ones I've watched, they've just been like, I mean, his it's, it's, it's fights are good, but uh, everything else is just, oh my God. <laughs> I my mom had the typo tapes, by the way. I do remember those <laughs> sitting around the house. I don't know how much she used them, but she did have them. <laughs> it was proper huge in the States, wasn't it? I mean, I, they, they tried to push it over here. I mean, I do remember, like, you know, the videos were advertised quite a bit, but I don't think it took off over here as much as it did over there. Yeah, that's um, what he's known. I didn't know he was an action star until later. I just knew he was the typo yeah. guy. <laughs> Over here, I think it used to be like advertised on like QVC and stuff like that. You buy Tybo tapes, um, but I know I know in the states it was a bigger thing. People actually just did get into it for a little bit. What was Tybo? Was it supposed to be like martial arts based posing and stuff, or this was? Like... Yeah, I think it was like Tai Chi, keep fit, wasn't it? Just like on... okay, <laughs> like wave your fists around and you get fit doing it. I think. Okay. It sounds like that's what it was. I, I, I don't remember too much about it, but I guess it would kind of fit, you know, if he was known for doing martial arts and then went into the, the workout biz. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, American Ninja and um, a little bit about uh, Billy Blanks. Uh, <laughs> what's next on your list? <laughs> All right, the next one, The Howling. Yes, didn't think about that, but now you said it, there's way too many sequels to that film. <laughs> You know what? Yeah, like, I, I love they shift continents like three times. Didn't like they one do, of them yeah, was, it was Australia, was and then the last one was like Eastern Europe. 
yeah, wherever was cheapest to film at the time, that's where the howling would go. Um, you know what? I, I love, I love long running series because like it, my theme is unnecessary amount of sequels, but that's great because you get to see kind of the same story in different interpretations of varying quality. And especially with the howling because the howling outside of the first two and then the seventh one kind of nothing is connected. Nothing really has any meaning other than there's werewolves in it. So it's people telling various degrees of good or bad werewolf stories through the course of, like, I think it's eight or nine films by this point. I think eight maybe was the last one, Howling Reborn. Yeah, isn't the second one, isn't the second one the British one with, like, Jimmy Nail? Isn't it got vampires in the second one? It's sort of, well, it, the second one has Christopher <laughs> Lee and Reb Brown, king yeah. of B-movies Reb Brown. And, um... It it's sort of st structured like a vampire movie because of Christopher Lee, even though it's about werewolves, yeah. but it's mostly about um, Sybil Danning taking her top off. And so, like, the credits are just, like, 30 different, the like, takes of the same shot of her ripping her top open over the, like, the, the theme song, which is just awesome. Just howling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's very good. Like, the howling... And then like, I don't think even the how like, there's the, like, great Howling versus American Werewolf in London debate, because they both came out the same year, and they were both successful werewolf same movies. Bias, yeah. Yeah. Made I, by like, two friends as well. It's like, you're so yeah, weird. Yeah, I think you they think were both you, like, Landis and Dante yeah. are, like, really close. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I think American Werewolf in London edges it out for me. I think, like, that's a, a better werewolf movie to me. But I do think the Howling is very good, and the effects are really great. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's the same with me. I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's a weird thing is Joe Dante is like one of my all-time favorite directors, like literally one of my top um, top directors. Um, you know, some of his films have really inspired me. Explorers um, and The Burbs is like one of my all-time favorite films, and obviously I love Gremlins and everything as well. But I do think, yeah, I mean, I think Howling as a horror movie is fantastic, and it's it's it, it is genuinely like quite messed up and creepy and stuff like that, and like. Yeah. Dee Wallace is, like, scary in anything. She's, like, amazing, but she's, like, terrifying she's like, in everything. She's just, like, um, she's, like, everyone's mom in the 80s, right? She just had, like, yeah. this lucrative uh, career as playing everyone's mom because she just seemed that nice. And everything I've heard about her in real life, she's, it seems like she really is just that nice mom type. Yeah. And it makes you, like, feel for her when she's in these scenarios when horrifying things are happening around her. You're like, oh, just come on, Dee Wallace, you can do it. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I just, I've always, I, you know, so I've always found the Howling definitely the more scarier of the two, but American Werewolf, you know, it was one of the first horror movies I ever saw, you know, um, and because it's funny, and because it is, like, yeah. British, very well, it's not British, but obviously it feels very British because of it being set over here, it's always something that I've, I've very warm to, and that transformation, you know, is insane, but then, the, then yeah. looking back now, as, I, as I've got older, as a kid, I, I would always say that the that you know my, um, American Werewolf beats it out. But as I got older, and I, I do think they're both like in very they hit you in both both in very very creepy ways. Um, so yeah, that's my that's what I'd say when it comes to them versus. Um, I don't know. I mean, if you I could prefer. just have both too. <laughs> you yeah. could just be like they're both good, which is great. Not one. I, mean, I, I enjoyed some other, Howling but... sequels. 
Um, and I, yeah. I didn't enjoy I didn't enjoy American Werewolf in Paris with like the CG. Uh, <laughs> American Werewolf in Paris, like you can kind of do, enjoy as so bad it's good if you just separate it from being a sequel to American Werewolf in London because it's it's just crap. Like the Howling movies, I like because like I I love werewolf stories and especially because they're all except for the last one practical effects. So yeah. um, you get to see like different people's takes on it because everyone's doing different effects for each one they're all different productions so you get to see these like how much werewolf they're going to show in it and by the time they get to the seventh one there's these crap morph effects like they thought were so cool it just ah, the the seventh one i really i think the seventh one is my favorite sequel because it was like one guy who was involved with with part um four and five maybe um, he decided he was going to bring all of the sequels together, even though, even admitted by the, like, directors of these films, they're just told to make a movie about werewolves. Like, they're not intending to, these to be, like, here's the next installment of Howling, like, here's going to be what happens next in the story. It's just make a werewolf movie. But he's like, this is all going to make sense. So he creates this story centered around himself going to this country town everyone in the town is playing themselves including wise old pappy and then <laughs> it, there's this whole story with this conspiracy and then the shape-shifting werewolf that could be any person they want to be um and then there's a bunch of country jokes about like dirt in the chili and creepy square dancing for no reason and none of it comes together at all um, but it's just a, a beautiful mess. And and you could tell, like, they cared about it. That's what I really love is yeah. that, like, they were like, oh, we're going to make this great movie. And it really didn't turn out that way. What was the Australian-made one? Um, was that The Marsupials. Like, that was yeah, that, great. That one's great. I love that one. That one. Yeah, that one is. I think people make fun of it because it's called The Marsupials, but yeah. it's not really, like, I mean, there is weird stuff in it. It's a weird movie, but I do think that it's well-crafted, and I think that they, they put a little more care into it than part two. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I've, I mean, I, I do think I drifted. I think I saw maybe, like, up to maybe part four or five, and then I didn't really watch any more until that sort of emo reboot one they did, like, uh, yeah, Reborn yeah. or whatever it was called. Yeah, it, Twilight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Twilight. Yeah, Twilight one. And wasn't it, like, it was shot, it was one of those films where they, they shoot it all in Eastern Europe and tried to pass it off as America or something. And... Oh, maybe. They did that with quite a few of them. I don't know about part eight. They definitely set it up like they wanted to, to do another movie and, like, create mm. the franchise again, but no one really I remember, was like, that interesting. And, like, bloody disgusting and, <clears throat> like, Fangoria, oh, and, yeah, Howling's coming back, and then I look at it and just like, yeah. what the fuck is this? They knew they couldn't beat part seven. If there's no <laughs> Pappy, there's no point in continuing <laughs> with the Howling movies. But, no, there's some great stuff in there. If you didn't continue past the, the first uh, four or five, like, four was just, like, a, a remake of... They were they were basing it on the book and doing the first story again, mm. and it felt kind of direct to to TV almost. Um, and then they had uh, part five was like the haunted house type film. They're all in a castle, and it's like a who done it? Who's the werewolf? And that one was definitely like in Europe somewhere. And it's then a bit six, like the beast must die. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in part six, it was like a freak show type thing. And so there's all sorts of other like weirdos in this film. And there's, like, um, that one definitely has vampires in it. It's, like, vampire versus werewolf kind of thing. And that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I think there's stuff worth seeing in in the entire franchise. So, 
I don't know. If people are into like long running series. It's definitely worth checking out. I think I've got most of them already in the collection. So yeah, I'll have them in the store and stuff. But I think I might have to rewatch them. I might have to have a Howling Fest to go back through them all. A lot yeah. of them got released on like double pack DVDs over here. So you get like like three, oh, yeah. four, four or five on the same disc. So yeah, flipper discs as well. Takes mm-hmm. you back to the days of Laserdisc. You flip the disc <laughs> on each side. <laughs> so yeah, that's the Howling. What's next? What is next? I have it written down. Oh, uh, Puppet Master. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. It's not the one that I was going to uh, shout out, but I, I did have a feeling you were going to say that. And I, I, one thing I will say about the Puppet Master things, I cannot follow the Puppet Master timeline at all. <laughs> Puppet Master is one of those things like, okay, so most of these things I picked because I like really liked them. Puppet Master, I don't think, needed any sequels because Puppet Master is bad. <laughs> The first puppet, the, the first one is shit. The first one is a bunch of people in the oh, hotel yeah, yeah. They're having evil sex. puppets in that one. They haven't done yeah. their face turn yet. <laughs> but I do, I do think some of them get better. And that like semi good budget uh, reboot one they did a couple of years ago was really good. I like the, I the sequel that they did with Greg Sestero, where it's like a prequel all about the evil puppet master yeah. guy making the puppets. <laughs> And that one, like, that one was fun. And that one also, like, um, so I I, uh, I messaged um, Greg Sestero, or he messaged me on Facebook a long time ago because he saw my review of The Room. And he was like, yeah, this is really good. Thanks for promoting it. And um, he he finished his message to me apologizing for his Puppet Master sequel. Like, he's like, sorry about that. Even though we had never spoken, I had never mentioned this anywhere. I, he, I guess he just knew automatically. I had seen Puppet Master, whatever that was, and he had to apologize for it. <laughs> he nice. Yeah, he just seemed like quite a cool guy. Um, I mean, I love the book. Uh, and when I read the book, actually, because obviously I'm a Full Moon fan, I was hoping that he uh, was going to like... Yeah, I was hoping he was going to delve more into like his time on that but obviously it's not that story but i, I, I hear loved what... hearing i loved hearing about him filming in the middle of this like country in the middle of nowhere and then like getting a letter from tommy was so and then tommy was so doing his clothing commercial <laughs> aping his take in <laughs> puppet master strange oh, i love that book <laughs> it was yeah, such a very good yeah, but I mean, I mean, I, I, I love the really shit Puppet Masters. I mean, obviously, I love Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys. What obviously, it's a Corey film, yeah, but that one was weird because that was like, like for Sci-Fi Channel, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was like a different company involved. It, it felt different than the other ones. It had Corey Feldman in it too. Yeah, didn't Corey it? Feldman's in it, and, it, and it's Corey Feldman look like at probably like his worst as well. Like it's. <laughs> it, it's it's that period of time, like, you know, sort of in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, where Corey doesn't even try, oh, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's just really bad. Because, I mean, look... Like, Vanessa Angel chewing up the scenery as well. <laughs> yeah, Corey has proved he can act a few times. Uh, not, yeah. can prove he can act, but there's that whole period where literally everything he was in... It's when he was doing, like, CD erotic thrillers and stuff as well, and he was just like... <laughs> that, that whole period was just really bad, Corey. But uh, yeah, quite entertaining. But no, that last um, Puppet Master, the 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 one that wasn't Full Moon, the rebooted one. Did you see that one? But all in the no. hotel. I I kind uh, of petered off around the time the Nazis came in, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> this, this has got nothing to do with normal Puppet Master. This is like a complete um, 
uh, like fresh film, not made by Charles Band or Full Moon, and it's got okay. some like familiar, some familiar like comedy and uh, TV faces in it. Uh, right. Came out about three years ago. Let me just look up what it's called. It's, oh, Puppet Master. It's Puppet Master. <laughs> Little Puppet is Master right. Legacy. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Remade. Because uh, I get confused when it all starts jumping back to war times and stuff like that. But no, yeah, Puppet yeah, Master yeah. Strike. And it's, it's when they uh, get to like clip show puppet, puppet Masters where you're just like, shut up. <laughs> it's a clip show movie. <laughs> that, that, that's Charles Band all over. I mean, like, well, yeah. we, we, we paid for um, uh, Full Moon streaming service, yeah. And like, there was loads of films on there. Like, oh, we haven't seen this one. And then you watch it, and it's just like another Full Moon film you've seen a million times, but they just rebranded it. Uh, I mean, like, oh, the yeah, yeah. they repackaged a lot of things. things. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is um when uh I used to rent things from the uh the Full Moon teen brand they had called Pulse Pounders. So they would have oh, like um like movies directed toward like young adults, but not quite their R-rated stuff. And, and they would have commercials. Yeah, Moonbeam was for, like, the little kids. Yeah. And um, they would do, uh, at least on Pulse Pounders, like, ads for their other Full Moon stuff and for, like, their merchandise and stuff. And so they would do, like, the Puppet Master toys. They'd be, like, it'd be, like, the one with the knives and the white face and the big smile. And it was so creepy to me. Like, it scared me. I'm like, I never want to watch that. That's scary. And then you watch Puppet Master and you're like, what a bunch of assholes. <laughs> this is an annoying movie. <laughs> I mean, like the first, the first puppet master is literally just people in a hotel having sex, and that's it. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's it's the crap. I mean, like that's the name of the yeah. thing. Yeah, Are but you sure it doesn't like... have to do with Nazis. <laughs> but it's the the uh, it's got that guy that's in loads of loads of films that's really funny. That Thomas Lennon guy, he's like the lead in it. Um, okay. But yeah, it's worth watching. It, it, it's good. It's not full moon. It's got like a semi decent budget, and it's actually like. Pretty coherent for a Puppet Master movie as well, because mm -hmm. uh, yeah, most of them, like, just, I, I can't follow them, and I just don't know why they, why he keeps making like the Nazi-based wartime ones as well. I, I want modern day, I want modern day people getting terrorized by puppets and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe it's ambitious because it's period pieces. Yeah. I feel like Charles Band. They get um, the Full Moon Productions get like they get wrapped up in making everything a franchise. Uh, to varying degrees of success, you know, because there's some things it's like, this didn't need to be a whole big thing. I do enjoy the subspecies movies. Those are yeah, very good. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, trances, uh, the trances stuff's cool. Uh, Ginger Dead Man didn't need to also be a franchise. You know, yeah, like, everything doesn't need, need to be yeah, a Everything doesn't need to be a franchise. Um, now, now he's crossed them over, and it's is it now like Weed Ninja Man or something? I don't know. I, I, that is no man's land. I have never ventured into that territory. I'm like, you know, I feel like after you've seen a couple of Ginger Dead Man movies, you know what the score is. You don't need to venture any further. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I loved, I loved, I used to really love all of the um, Empire stuff, you know, in the 80s. Obviously, that was what, you know, gave the world Charles Band. Um, so, obviously, I love anything like he produced. And, like, some of my favorite movies were, you know, linked into him I and mean, stuff like Terrorvision and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it uh, I mean, he had my idea with Full Moon and it just went crazy. But, I mean, some of the Moonbeam stuff's pretty good. Like, I like Prehysteria and Remote yeah, Control. Yeah, Prehysteria's fun, yeah. And, yeah, Remote Control's, like, great fun. Um, I liked, um, there was one Moonbeam did called uh, Magic Island. 
Yeah. With one of the kids from uh, Home Improvement. That was one I used to rent a lot because it had a mermaid in it. So I was really excited to see mermaid <laughs> stuff. And uh, yeah, I did enjoy it. was that. a really good cover art. They always had really, really good cover yeah, art. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that my partner pointed out to me recently is like Richard Brand was, did some really good scores. Um, like some really good scores, like Richard Brand. You yeah. Know, um, the species and the prehysteria themes. I believe those were both him, and those were good. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Shrunken Heads was a uh, full moon film uh, directed by Richard Elfman. That had a Danny Elfman score. A full moon nice. film with a Danny Elfman score. And I love <laughs> Shrunken Heads. I absolutely love that film. It's like proper bunkers. Uh, and that game, that's like a, a, a pretty mid-budget film for a uh, full moon release as well. But I heard, like, Charles Bands just recently brought, like, this, like, big uh, vintage house and he's going to make 12 films a year there or something. Someone shared on Facebook. Oh, man, it. don't turn into David Dakota, please. <laughs> David Dakota, like, don't, don't make it lucrative to just film in your same mansion or whatever every year, because, <laughs> good God, it, you know, after a talking cat, you didn't need to keep filming there. <laughs> David Dakota... Worked with uh, Full Moon, didn't he? Or he frequently yeah. does. Cause he, yeah, uh, he's done a few things with him. Yeah, I feel like his stuff um, in the 80s and 90s, uh, before he started getting into just, like, film at this one mansion kid movie slash uh, twink gay stuff, like, <laughs> I, I, I feel like he used to make things that looked like real movies, including one of the Puppet Master sequels. He did one of the early... Um, uh, ones where they went back in time and it had like Nog from Deep Space Nine in it. <laughs> that was David Dakota. I think it was part three. Because yeah. he, he just sort of went, he sort of went from like you know being like fairly a fairly recognizable person in B movies to then just making like just gay vampire films. Well, he realized what he realized is in the streaming services things go alphabetical. So if you do something that is A or a number it will go higher and you will have rentals regardless of the quality, which is why you have a talking cat, a talking pony, or the 1313 series, yeah. which is just, you know, have it be at the top of the the listing and then people will check it out. And it, it's worked out for him, apparently. I mean, I appreciate the hustle. That's all I'm going to say. Like, you know, it, it's like with... Full Moon with David Dakota with Trauma with any of these kinds of things like even if I don't care for um, some of the movies that they make or I'm like this is utter crap like I admire the like the hustle that goes into it and it ob yeah. obviously it's like a lot of work to, to make a film even if it's one that you don't really care for <laughs> well I don't know some, I mean I've seen some stuff which I do think is just like what <laughs> Okay, there was one David Dakota film I don't think was work where he f it was called Thirteen Thirteen Hercules something maybe Her I don't think it was Hercules Unchained but it was Hercules something and it was like just filmed one shot at his pool and sometimes through the like patio screen because it was raining and it was just a lot of like dudes posing and it that's the laziest film I've ever seen and it, I don't think that took a lot of work to make. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Dakota. I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> oh, so what's next? Okay, is, what, the last one that I have, uh, if this is the one you're thinking of, I don't know. This is notorious for all of its sequels. Yeah. It is Witchcraft. Yes, it is. <laughs> you can't talk about a number of sequels without talking about the Witchcraft series. I mean, it is at 16 now, yeah, I believe. I, I am good friends with David Sterling, and... I he's keeping that he's keeping them alive. 
David Sterling, what what did he do? Did he direct the last three? He or produced, what? No, he's produ he produces them. He he's produced. the same guy that produces uh, the Camp Blood movies. Okay. Have you ever seen them? Uh, yeah, he's uh, David's a great guy. A uh, little quirky, but he's a great guy. Um, but yeah, he um, <laughs> yeah he, he he produces all of these witchcrafts. Um, uh, and it, uh, is, it, is it just the recent ones? Because it was like they yeah. thirteen was kind of a conclusion, and then it wasn't until within the last like five years or so they made like the last three just back to back. Yeah, well, or so sixteen. Yeah, so basically, yeah, David produced 14, 15, and 16. Okay. But weirdly, he did them in reverse order. So he did 16, 15, and 14. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Witchcraft, unlike Howling, does try to make everything tie in together, which is more fun for me because it's like... It, the first one is just kind of like a Rosemary's Baby type thing. Like, you it's have, like, a good the... Film. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's it's decent, like eighties horror flick, and then it turns into just about the kid. Like, there's a time jump, and so it appears all of the sequels take place in the future. Like, I tried to do like a time, like I'm like, okay, if this kid is like eighteen by the second movie, that places it here. It goes like it, it, far past when the film's supposed to have been made. I don't know what the timeline really is supposed to be, but it's about the son William, who's a warlock, and then there's, like, he's supposed to bring about the end of the world, and then they bring in, like, vampires, and then they bring in ghosts. He dies, and he comes back to life. And all of it is just excuse for, like, softcore um, porn stuff, so they'll just like, have a lot of boobs, except for the first one. The first one was not like... And then after that, they're like, these are boob films i guess <laughs> with like this running story and then these cops get involved and then one of them changes genders into in between films and then all of a sudden they had to write in story like they're like oh it was my cousin or something and then it's like oh so she was uh, related to the lutz who was a guy in the first <laughs> it's just i mean i i've not seen that many of them uh i mean i've not seen the ones david well, they're produced. tremendous but uh i mean like I've, i remember like I, I did download a, like a bunch of them a couple of years back and it's tried to, to follow get a it. hold of all of them unless yeah. you find a download because think, like even if you're trying to buy them they're expensive or hard yeah. to find. Yeah, um, I wish that there was a, a release of all of them, but they're probably all different distributors. You see, the and thing, stuff. I mean, like, sure it's a mess. <laughs> Dave, uh, David's been doing like box sets of his films recently, but obviously with that franchise, I don't suppose he's got the rights to do some of the earlier ones. So I don't think I, he can I do feel like it's with. probably complicated. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, with his Camp Bloods, you know, he, he, I mean, Camp Blood, that's got loads of sequels as well. <laughs> Just, like, he's done so many of them. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, the first Witchcraft, I'd say it was, it, was, it, was a fair, it was a fair budget film. It was, like, you know, it was released everywhere on video shops and everything like that. But then, yeah, these sequels just, like, came out of nowhere. <laughs> just like... they, they did well because it was the 80s. Where there was the big boom in rentals, and if you have things like obviously the sequels, it makes it seem like I'm really into like boob or adult films with this conversation. It's not really that the appeal the to me. Yeah, That's it's it. not really like I I like it because like um the thin plot around it it gets thinner the more they're just trying to center it around the boobs because I'm not really like watching it to see the boobs, but um because uh it was easier to get that than like a porn. Yeah. And they would be popular rentals because of that. And so the stories were just sort of flimsily created around how do we get these people naked. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it, it extends. I mean, like, when I was a kid, I used to, you know, I, when I was in my, like, 
early teens, I used to always like set my video to record late night on Living TV because I wanted to watch the erotic thrillers, right? So the Shannon Tweed movies and the Shannon Weary yeah. movies, like, you know, uh, Woman Scorned and Hell Half Mystery, like, and uh, Sexual Outlaws and all these other ones, right? And yeah, okay, I watched them for the boobs. I was 13, 14. Oh, yeah, there's lots of people who watched however, them. Yeah. However, those films got me into thrillers. Right, they 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 really got me into sort of erotic thrillers and stuff like that, you know, um, and some of them are quite good. And I I've recently been try, trying to track a few of the old ones down that I watched from back in the, back in that day, and not to watch it from a boob point of view like I did when I was a kid, to actually watch them to actually see what the plot plots were like, you know. I mean, Shannon Tweed wasn't a bad actress, you know. Um, seen her do all right and stuff. Yeah, yeah. she's done all right stuff, you know. But, um, she was in a Baywatch. <laughs> doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I did get that, you know, like boobs do sell, and that was the era right. for it. So yeah, it was definitely the era for it. Um, if, if that's like no judgment on people that want to see movies for boobs or what, like if this is something that entertains you or gets you off, like whatever, you know, like, (laughs) but I think that is a big reason why the witchcraft series endured. And then at some point it became like a, a cult classic, you know, it became like a thing, like, have you seen the witchcraft sequels? And then there were people who were invested in what the story was. And then you're kind of punished if you're like paying attention to what the story is, because it doesn't really hold together that well. It's a little bit inconsistent. The one but, thing um, that has consa- thing now. the one thing that has stayed consistent though, right, throughout the entire franchise of witchcraft, they always have really good cover art. Even- yeah. They always have really good cover art. It's always it's always like you know a painted lady with like a pentagram behind her in some way. But... Yeah, they would have like the, they would try and make him kind of matchy, you know. So you yeah. have like it was always with the Roman numerals, and then you would have like the sexy lady on the front. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. It was funny when it, get, it, it it's such a, a varying degree of quality, and it's different kinds of bad movies, which is also like interesting because you always have different directors and crews and and budgets and whatever they're they're doing at the time, and and it's always neat when it's like. Oh, this one is completely unrelated. This is just about like a husband and wife moving into a house and then this and then like, oh, now there's the the William thing going on. And then like you could tell with the last three, they were filmed back to back. They all have the same cast and crew. And and that's obviously filmed a lot more recently than like um, than the 13th one was because that was like early 2000s. There was like a, yeah. a decade or so before they made new ones. So um, it's it's just a big hodgepodge of things. <laughs> But it's great, too, because William will, like, de-age, he'll become slightly gayer or pornier, he'll become, like, a, a different kind of guy, He maybe he's sleazier in some other things. I liked that in the last three that, that your friend produced, he became, like, sort of a Chris Angel guyliner kind of guy, <laughs> and also magically de-aged, because I don't know how old he was supposed to be by this point, but not that, <laughs> not that young. Maybe being a warlock de-aged him. That might have been part of the story. It, admittedly, I haven't retained all of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I need to just give him another go. But I mean, you should. I, I really liked the guy who played um, William uh, in parts two, three, and four. I think he might have been the longest running because he was he was in three of them in a row, and he was really good. Yeah, I liked I, him. I kind of remember him actually from like the early days. But yeah, <laughs> it's like Char- Charles something. 
I could be wrong, but he was good. But yeah, I knew you were going to put, as soon as you said, as soon as you said it, it was the first one that went into my head was, was uh, Witchcraft, and then I thought Puppet Master after that. If, um, if, you, if you're into, like, crap uh, VHS rental staples of that time, the Witchcraft sequels, are def- <laughs> you, you definitely saw quite a few of them. <laughs> uh, any honorable, uh, honorable mentions? I don't know, man. Uh, Tremors, but I think Tremors has got better. Oh, yeah, as far as things with long sequels? Yeah, yeah Tremors. I, I do love the Tremors series. I don't think the last couple were, were as good, but um, or yeah. few, I guess, as it's been now, that the more recent ones. Um, uh, subspecies. I love the fact that Bert Gummer's the, the hero now, though. <laughs> yeah. I well, they sort they'd... of phase him out now, aren't they, a little bit, in the last one? Yeah, yeah. If you've seen the last one, definitely. It's, yeah. It's like he's gone. But he said he would do another one uh, if they asked him. So I, I don't think Michael Gross is uh, is out. I think they just want to limit because he's just he's a lot older now. He can't do action yeah. as much anymore. Um, uh, the TV series was also very good. I, I like I like TV series. I always wish that they 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 greenlit that that Kevin Bacon TV series. Yeah, I, I want to at least see the pilot because it looked good. It's a shame. I've seen like a few clips from the pilot, but I've never seen the actual full thing. But it did it did look good. But apparently, like he said recently as well that like he it, it something still could happen with him in the franchise. Yeah, I think he said it, Kevin Bacon said it was, like, the only thing he would want to do a sequel to, like, a character he would want to bring back, which is great. It's great yeah. that it, like, it's it's so meaningful to the people involved, because Tremors, I really think, like, they're trying to, to craft something good with it. You know, yeah. even the sequels that aren't as strong, like, the, I, I think they really put a lot of thought and, and care into the story and in the production. I've sort of, like, missed a couple. I've, um... I saw the last one, the one with uh, Napoleon Dynamite in it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I missed the Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy did two, didn't he? He did. He did five, yeah. six, and then the last one, basically he was replaced with uh, yeah. with John Heater um, yeah. for whatever reason. I don't know if there was behind-the-scenes stuff, he couldn't film, whatever, but um, it's it's obvious it was supposed to be yeah, his I keep character. mentioning his character's name and stuff. I've heard that, yeah. Yeah, they say he's, like, in a Mexican jail or something. He plays... um. Uh, Bert's illegitimate kid that he didn't know about that he meets in the <laughs> fifth one. And the fifth one is alright. Like, it's, there's definitely a lot of, like, cribbing from, like, um, Jurassic Park and stuff like that, but yeah. it is cool. Like, they set it in South Africa. You got, like, some cool characters from there, and um, the sixth one is just, like, it's garbage. It's it's my least favorite Tremors movie. Like, That's everything nice else... One, yeah, the ice yeah. one that they didn't film in the snow, like they filmed in South Africa. <laughs> so it's just like there's a heat wave. Well, then why why do an ice themed Tremors if you can't do it? But um, uh, I like the, yeah, um, I think, the western. I think that's the only. Yeah, the western one. Like I, I think like the only Tremors I didn't enjoy was six. All the other ones, like I, I could rewatch and like yeah, the the western prequel one was pretty fun. Had Billy Drago in it, another um, VHS rental staple. <laughs> Billy Drago, so good. There are some classics. But yeah, um, that's great. So yeah, this, let's, let's wrap this up. Um, it's yeah. been brilliant talking to you, Alison. Um, I mean, I always enjoy, enjoy chatting to you anyway from whenever podcast we've done. But yeah, I mean, it was a great way to start this dead format uh, podcast off. Um, yeah, if you ever do that display, um, you were talking about displaying the movies that yeah. get recommended, you can just do the first one. You don't have to put all the sequels out because uh, the display could get pretty unwieldy. If yeah, you yeah I think it, if I had all <laughs> my like on it at the end, <laughs> it's just like... Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I will just pick one of it. But um, yeah, we're going to get these displays up um, and then sort of alternate it. So um, we're going to ca- hopefully carry this podcast on f- forever or until I give up or podcasts don't don't work anymore. Um, the idea is to keep it as when the store goes on. So I'm sure in the future we'll have you back. But we've got to open the store first to get the other ones in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, thank you ever so much for coming on and, and chatting movies. I love I love chatting movies with you. Um, and say so normally when we, we get on these calls, we're talking about Baywatch. So it's nice that we get to talk about movies. Only um, minimal Baywatch product. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I didn't I didn't delve into uh, some of um, so, some stuff I could have really picked your brains on about our um, mutual affection for um, Theodore X. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, that was yeah, one, uh, that was another one I rented a lot. Theodore Rex. I didn't mention that, but as a kid, I would rent that a lot because I, I was a dumb kid. Video, <laughs> I worked at the video shop when it came out. Right when it came out, I worked at the video shop, and I got a time code tape. So I don't remember what time codes. They were basically like um, you gave them to the video shops, and they had like a timer on the bottom, so like a like a promo copy of the film. And I got given a time coded time coded tape of Theodore Rex, and I had um, like a catalogue uh, poster of it as well, uh, because I mean obviously I, I love that film. Uh, I, I, want, I wanted to once do a podcast where every episode I just spend an hour talking about one minute of Theodore Rex. Oh, Theodore Rex by the minute. Yeah, oh, Theodore Rex by the minute because. You know that film is it, it's a, it's an unseen masterpiece, and like you know, I mean, I was I grew up I was a huge Whoopi fan as a kid. I still am now. Like I love Whoopi, and I I I don't like the fact that that she had such a hard time with that movie. I and mean, I know you know she agreed to do it. And I know there's the court case and all that sort of stuff, but you know, it was still a good Whoopi movie to me. And it's I love animatronic dinosaurs as well. So it's just like win win win, you know. Um, but. Yeah, sadly, it's one of those films that you know it's never going to get the love that it deserves. But it was it was a script that was around for years and you know took them that long to make. And I just I, I just wish there was a documentary or a book or something that uh, enlightened people on the production of Theodore Rex because it's another one where like clearly some things happened. There was a lot yeah. of things that happened, not just the lawsuit. It just feels like there were a lot of things about this film. It's a bizarre film, so whether you love it or you hate it, like. It's just a, a fascinating project to look at. Like, how did this get made? Yeah. I'd love to know how that process. was made. And the other one is um, Pluto Nash. I mean, that's another one. I mean, similar yeah. lines there. But I mean, Pluto Nash. It, it's a brilliant film, but it's got it's got a few flaws in it that let it down a little bit. But it's probably one of the best things Eddie Eddie's Murphy's done since like the eighties. <laughs> But it's it's let down with a few with a couple of a couple of moments. But that was an eighty script. But I mean, like yeah, Pluto yeah. Nash. I mean, I will fight anyone that disagrees. But people people don't think this. But when I say this now, it will crop up in people's heads. Pluto Nash is Total Recall Junior. Uh, <laughs> it's a little feels... derivative of some stuff. It, it's another one that feels like yeah, there was definitely a story about everything that happened. It, it looks and feels exactly like. Total Recall, <laughs> like for kids. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. It did. Yeah. It did have a cool production uh, design. I mean, because like um, the the way that the moon set up their moon city, or whatever, like you could tell there was a lot of money put into it, and like and the practical stuff looked cool. The only thing I don't like about that film really is 
the contemporary music, I think it just takes you out of it. Like, all the contemporary music in it just lets it down a little bit. Um, but no, I think it's a great film. That and Theodore Rex could double build them, definitely. Uh, <laughs> uh, or anything with animatronic dinosaurs. Um, <clears throat> you know, Dinosaurs the Movie or Escape from Dino City, as it's called in the States. Any of those sort of things. Oh, films. yeah. Adventures yeah. in Dinosaur City was one we had on tape, and it creeped the hell out of me, but I'd watch it. It, it, it was a creepy film. <laughs> I've got it on Laserdisc. Oh, man. It's, uh, it's one of my favourites. Yeah, well, you can't get it on DVD. Uh, we, we can. You can get, like, a Greek DVD of it, but you can't get... Um, there's no DVD in the UK or the States for it. Um, but uh, over here, it was just called Dinosaurs the Movie, and they were trying to cash in on Dinosaurs the TV show. Oh, I see. I, I have an animatronic uh, dinosaur movie to recommend you. I won't get too deep into it so we can wrap up the podcast, uh, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll slide you a copy of uh, Rex, A Dinosaur Story. Ooh, it's, uh, it's a Japanese good. film from uh, ah, 1993. Yeah, funny yeah. enough, someone did uh, in a group on Facebook. Someone sent me a YouTube link for it a while back. But I never got around to watching it. But yeah, I'd like to I'd like to see that. <laughs> yeah, I I loved it. It was adorable. <laughs> Animatronic dinosaurs will always win my heart. And yeah. on that note, let's um, sign off. So, Alison, yeah. if you want to tell the good people listening where they can find you and what they get in store if they do try and find you online. Well, <laughs> things I have to show you. <laughs> um, yeah, I do uh, video reviews, uh, comedic um, takes on uh, So Bad It's Good movies or episodes of Baywatch or other random mishmash in between. So uh, if you enjoy this kind of stuff, uh, I'm on YouTube.com slash Movie Nights the Series, or you can look for Allison Pregler. Um, you can also find me on Twitter under the same name, Allison Pregler. Brilliant. Um, yeah. So, yeah, please check out Alison. She's great. Uh, her videos get addictive. Um, I recommend them if you've got a small child and they're up early because you can literally just lay on the couch, one eye open, one eye washing the baby and just listen to Alison talk about movies and it makes me giggle in the morning sometimes. Oh, so, nice yeah, um, I, recommend, <laughs> I recommend that. Um as I said, uh, please check out and support the uh, the shop. Uh, there's loads of ways you can do it. Um, you can share this podcast. You can share our Facebook page. Um, you can donate money. You can donate movies. You can tell your friends to donate money or donate movies. Um, but you just, you know, just like our page. Just chat about the fact that there's this guy that's trying to open a video store in 2021. Um, that's focusing on... Uh, everything, but with a special focus on cult and out of print stuff. Um, and yeah, just are keep you it focusing like... on PAL releases of VHS? No, um, it'd be uh, worldwide, uh, worldwide. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously PAL is going to be the, the most stuff, but yeah, we've also got a lot of region one uh, DVDs and VHS as well. Um, you know, uh, I've got. I mean, as I've been collecting for years, I've already got a lot to put in there, and people have been donating. So yeah, we've got stuff from all over the world. It's 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 really cool. Um, get some Japanese tapes as well. Got a couple of Japanese tapes to go in there. So yeah, um, nice. we've even got some CEDs. If you don't know, if you remember what they are, like the predate Laserdisc. It was like movie on a vinyl in a big plastic case. Really shit, but kind of cool for collectibles. Well, we've even got some of them in stock. So yeah, awesome. All sorts going to be in there. Um, 
we're going to be an online store as well as a brick and mortar store and we will eventually be shipping worldwide as well so if you guys in the states and stuff want some you know region two imports then yeah weird place to go i mean obviously the stuff's going to be cut as we discussed earlier on <laughs> but yeah if you want to um i think i will stock up on copies of um you know the the, the sort of sort after stuff that all the americans want like millions of copies of garth Marenghi's dark place <laughs> um but yeah um so we'll be launching soon so just watch this space there'll be another episode next week um I believe um, I won't tell you who the guest is until I've recorded the episode because I've got three to record this week. So yeah, we'll see who it is. But I've got some good guests lined up: actors, directors, producers, filmmakers, and just cool film people. I'm even interviewing a guy that I hung around with in video shops when I was 13 years old. So we've got lots more to come. So it's going to be good fun. But yeah, thanks again. Please uh, follow the podcast like our facebook page reach out to me on twitter nick at nick fmv dev um i might change my twitter name eventually but what we get right now and yeah um see you soon guys so yeah and um, bye from me bye bye of illegal video cassettes check whether this video cassette carries a genuine label hologram video piracy is a crime do not accept it demand a genuine cassette from your video store Poor quality illegal video cassettes reduce your viewing pleasure and jeopardize future film production.